0: The animal life.
1: Well, hey, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing fine. Um, I actually was in the agent business, so I'm familiar with what you guys do. I was an NFL agent from 2008 to 2011. I'm sorry, to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you, that's why it was a short stint. <laughs> um, but had some fun success. Had 10 draft picks in three years. Um, you know, some big contracts. First round pick, Devin McCordy. Uh, with the Patriots I was I was in it I think as you were kind of finishing your career or getting closer to the end of your career Yeah. Um, but let's start with you man how was that like you go from undrafted out of Indiana to then playing what 11 seasons in the NFL a big contract with the Chicago Bears what was that process like for you from from undrafted to then being a, a, a significant player in the league?
0: Yeah, but it's a complete roller coaster. You know, we actually have to take a couple steps back. Um, you know, my junior year, I had the opportunity to leave early out of Indiana. I was three-time, well, probably at that time, probably two-time All-Big Ten, a preseason All-American going into my senior year. So the uh, chances of me at least being a first-round draft pick, possibly being, you know, for top ten were um, high. And then, you know, that fifth, sixth game of the season, I blew my ACL LCL PCL so you know I'm thinking about signing that big contract right out of Indiana get hurt get staff infection in surgery and then uh, it's all downhill from there and uh, I become an undrafted free agent because of that process of the injury um, and able to turn that into an 11-year career now the the roller coaster ride for me is, you know, being at a place where you, you're thinking you're going to achieve your goals, your name's gonna get called on that big screen on, 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 and, and maybe you walk down the stage at uh, Madison Square Garden, I think the what they used to do it. And you don't, it doesn't happen. And you gotta have resolve. Like, listen, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna let this injury define me. I'm gonna be successful. I've got a degree from Indiana University. Uh, worst case scenario. I go back to school and become a lawyer, right? And I'm gonna make some decent money regardless, right? So that was my mindset, but uh, you know, things worked out. I was able to rehab, get back into a great situation where, you know, I signed with the Miami Dolphins and they allowed me basically a year to kind of redshirt and get back into health. And from there on on, I was able to compete. So- Were you on the um, practice squad your first year? Say it again? Were you practice squad your first year? I was actually on IR. Oh, first year yeah. okay. so they they had you know they had this thing called pp where which you know but it was a little different back then like you could be on pp for a couple weeks play for like practice for like three four weeks and the team decides to whether to shelve you or uh, play you what i was able to do in those you know three to four weeks was show the coaches like, wait, we might have something here. Like I went out there and practice and I was just, you know, taking names in those three weeks off of this knee. And so they put me back on the shelf and they knew they might have had something. And then the next two years, you know, I um, you know, I made the team the next year, led the team in preseason and sacks. I think I might have had like eight sacks in the preseason. Um, uh, but, you know, I was going against, you know, future truck drivers, you know, uh, <laughs> when, when I had time to go. Um, and then the next year, did it again and finally earned my, my starting role in the third year of my league in the league. Uh, fourth year, made it to the Pro Bowl, led the AFC in sacks, then got that big contract finally. So uh, it was delayed gratification from a financial side. But uh, I
1: think it was all, all, all meant to be and, and happened think, the way it was supposed to happen. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, two thousand three was your year, right? Fifteen sacks. Yeah, yeah. That, yep. That's unbelievable. That's what I mean to get undrafted. There's so many mm-hmm. guys. The, the draft process is such a flawed. It's not a scientific process by any means. It's an art process, and there's so many guys that slip through the cracks that don't get drafted for whatever reason. Yep. And here are the Miami Dolphins were. They knew that, that first season, that that preseason. They're like we got ourselves a, a top mm-hmm. hundred pick, maybe right. even better than that. We got ourselves – we signed a top 100 pick. And I assume you had a lot of offers after the draft had finished. Um, Yeah. You you probably chose Miami because you're, like, tired of being in the Indiana snow. So That that played a big part of it. But, you know,
0: something we did, I knew I probably needed a couple more – a year or two to kind of get ready. So I saw they had Jason Taylor. I saw they had Trace Armstrong. They had Lorenzo Bromel, Kenny Mixon. And they had kind of one or two years left on their contract. So I knew they don't need me per se. So I said, let me just get here. And the next year was my thought process of looking at um, the the roster and the depth chart. And that's what I tell a lot of people a lot of times is if you're not picked in the first two rounds, it's actually almost beneficial for you, if you have faith in yourself, to get undrafted, look at the roster and see where maybe you can fit. Because those first two guys are probably guaranteed to make it. Third round, probably too. But after fourth, fifth, six, fourth, fifth, six, seven, there's really no difference between a fourth rounder and a and, a, and an undrafted free agent, right? You've so got to go out there and and bust your tail. So it's probably better for you and your agent to look at the team and say, where do I have the best probability to play? Maybe not
1: this year. Probably the following year. Yeah, that's what so you. Well, listen, my my first year as an agent, I had two second rounders: Ron Brace, who unfortunately passed away; he was went mm-hmm. to the Patriots, and uh, Cody Brown was a second round D end out of uh, Connecticut, went to the Arizona Cardinals. Got hurt his first year; they cut him his second year. Wow. So even a second round pick, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that's a rare situation. But um, but when you look at guys like today uh, in the Super Bowl, when you look at like a guy like Aaron Donald, or when you look at yourself when 2003 season. What What is it? What is it about a guy like that or yourself or anyone else at a, at a high level that during that season seems to be uns- – like you know you're going to get a, at least one sack a game. Yeah. What are you doing differently in a season like that versus any other season? You know, honestly,
0: too, coaching plays a big
1: part. When you see a guy
0: as hot as a guy like Aaron Donald or um, as I was – you've got to keep finding ways to outsmart the opponents, right? They're going to start chipping. They're going to start double teaming. But if you have um, an ability to uh, play chess, not checkers, play chess with the offensive coordinators um, and open up the ability for your star players to make plays, you know, that's a win-win. But I attribute a lot of my success at the time to having – guys like Patrick Sertan Sr. and Sam Madison, cornerbacks that would strangle receivers, right? This is in a day where we could put your hands on people and basically wrestle them to the ground. And these these individuals, these cornerbacks gave me the ability to play my game and vice versa. They were able to jump routes because they knew the, the pass rush was coming between me and Jason Taylor. And they knew that if, um, If they could just cover that receiver for three to four seconds, not even that, we were going to get home and vice versa. We knew that the ball comes out quick. Our guys are going to jump routes. So um, for a star player to be a star player, and this is why I love football, it really does take your teammates to do their job and let you eat. And um, what you're seeing with Aaron Donald is not just him being an amazing player, but his surrounding cast are doing their job. And they're allowing him to go out there and destroy guards, centers, um, even double
1: teams, because you can't stop him one-on-one. That's such a great answer, man. I've never heard it really put that way. And that makes so much sense. Like mm-hmm. you, could, you could be good, but if you don't have that great talent behind you, you can't necessarily be great. You've got yep. those guys to compliment you, to, to keep the coverage tight. You're going to yep. either have a chance to get to that quarterback, or and vice versa. You're going to be putting the pressure on that quarterback, and those guys are going to have a heyday. Um, so that's that's a really neat neat response. Uh, I didn't think of it that way. So you end up getting the big contract mm-hmm. with the Chicago Bears, and uh, and then playing several. You play a six years with six year contract mm-hmm. with Chicago. And yep. then you finish off um, a couple years after that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And then here you are, you get this big, this big payday, mm-hmm. and like so many guys, after the high of the the elation wears off, holy cow, I've got more money in one check than I <laughs> think my parents probably made it their entire life, something like, you know. And I'm this is so exciting, but once that wears down. As so many people struggle with, they struggle with this feeling of guilt. Like, why me? Why do I deserve this? Am I worthy of this? Uh, you know, how did I get here versus my buddy who was even better than me at, in high school, or my buddy in college who was better than me? Here I am with all these millions now, and a lot of people start struggling with the guilt. So, let's yeah. start there with you. Did you feel those feelings?
0: Absolutely. I think you hit it on the head. Um, You see where someone might have been faster than you. You see where a student actually was smarter and got better grades than you. And first of all, you get the full ride to play a sport at a university where everything's taken care of. And this person who's been in the same classroom with you actually doing all the things that he or she can to get to college has to pay. Um, And from that moment, you're thinking like, okay, this might not be fair. Um, Then you get to college and then you see that, you know, you have all of the uh, resources for the university behind you, making sure that you get good grades, you got tutors, you got, you know, the best cooks on campus, making sure you have good meals. Yes, we sacrifice, we got to get up at six o'clock in the morning and we're up doing all the things we can, but again, that's, you know, some of our the talents that God's given us. And then you move further on in life, and you know, you're thinking, wait, actually, I'm gonna have a chance to play in the NFL. And like you said, you grow up with this community of young men and women that you guys went to the same school together. You guys used to play stickball in the streets together, get in trouble. And, and somehow you're now this person that has millions of dollars in the bank, and you go back home and they're still living six people in a two bedroom apartment. Or you still seeing the same drug dealers that were on the corner when you were in high school, still doing the same things that uh, you were doing before you left. So the thing that I think hits home is when you see your friends and people that you consider family living in a, a, a way that you do. And now you're living in this big you know, 6,000 feet square home. Um, you're driving these expensive cars. And people are living check to check. People are still on government housing assistance, and that has to tug at you. So what you do now is say, um, a lot of people say, "Well, let's go hang out. Let's go on these trips together. Let's go to the club. Let's go eat champagne, drink champagne, and eat the finest steaks in the world. Uh, let me go buy you this car, mom. Let me go buy you this house, dad. Let me, my oh, that's my uncle who gave me my first pair of cleats." I gotta take care of him. That's my grandmother who um, used to, you know, ha- have us a big meal on Sundays after our football games. I gotta take care of her. And before you know it, the principal, the, the, the headlines that you've made all this money has um, been spent. Um, and you're thinking, where did it go? Because in your heart, you felt like you did the right thing. But the truth of the matter is, you, no one knows that 50% of your money is already gone from taxes. And then you're not allowing your money to accumulate and, and add on. So this guilt can cause um, entertainers and athletes to, even though their heart's in the right place, um, cause them to have a relationship with their money um, that's not sustainable in, in the sense that they, they're just giving it out without having a real plan.
1: Yeah, it's such a trap again to put this into perspective even if you're making a million dollars a year which is a ton of money in any reality uh for anybody but in the nfl or major sports or entertainment that could be small you're making Mm -hmm. a million and a half two million plus a year let's not forget for people that don't understand you guys are getting paid out that all that cash over essentially the course of just a season so you're getting all that money and i don't remember what it was exactly eight or nine payments. (laughs) <laughs> over the course of 5 6 months mm-hmm. so one paycheck for you Wale is more than all those people that you went back to hometown that they would get an entire year not even i mean it wouldn't even be close in one check you were making so much more than these people that you you know that you grew up with <laughs> that you came from and 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 I think what you're saying too is the guilt is there but I'm not sure you even recognize it as guilt like right, I mean, if you really dig into that, do the players themselves, like they know that it feels funny, but do they know that the guilt starts driving these irresponsible behaviors potentially?
0: No, no, they don't because it's masked with things like keeping it real. And I'm never going to forget where I came from. And those are the, the, the things that we say to each other to mask really what it is. It's, it's a guilt trip that we put on ourselves to make sure that no one thinks the money is going to change us. Um, The truth of the matter is, money should change the way you live. It should change, especially if you're not living in ideal situations. Now, would I exchange my upbringing for anything in the world? You cannot give me a billion dollars to change the story I just told you about how I got into the NFL. You just can't do it because it built character and um, it really made me appreciate the things that I have. But the truth of the matter is, the individuals that get these large sums of money they're getting it's not even just they're getting more money than the people in their communities for a year it's almost somebody's a lifetime i remember giving the cashier one of my checks this is when checks were still hard okay mm-hmm. and i handed it to a bank teller and i just looked at her face and you know and i kind of had a little smirk inside like yo wow like watch this like watch this but she had to go get her bank manager and she was like, "What is this? Is this even real?" <laughs> right. What right? well, you're All talking about a seven-figure plus check. Yeah, my first. I was like, so I'm just looking at her, and she's like, "I got to get, um, I got to get my manager." Right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, "Wow, I've made it." But the truth of the matter is, a lot of the money that we're making is so over the top of our wildest dreams that. Um, it it, it causes us to find outlets to relieve that guilt.
1: And we're just trying to find ways to make this more constructive. So as you're going through your career, you've got a financial advisor that was recommended to you through the NFLPA or through your agent?
0: Yeah, I had a few. So some were through – uh, an agent recommended some were you know i did the whole let me try to interview a three of you know two or three but um I, I really didn't understand um what i was looking for <laughs>
1: that's so the problem that's the issue you're right. just, you have no idea who these people are you don't know how to trust them what's their background how good are they do they really care what are they going to do with my money these this, right. it's such a ridiculous position to be put in as a player like that has got to be one of the hardest. Like when you look at the relationship between player and financial advisor, how do you define that? How do you find somebody that's right for you? I mean, you're, you have such a small window to make a decision. It's, it's so hard, like, man. Yeah. It's so
0: hard. I think the biggest problem with athletes, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. You might have a financial advisor that is to the book. I mean. We're going to a restaurant, I'm not gonna spend over $100 because $100 over our meal together because that's what you know, regulations may say. And there's another advisor, not only does he go over the top for you, you go to the finest restaurants, you wanna to go to the nicest nightclub, he'll make a reservation for you. You think like, this is the guy, he's connected. And actually that's smoke and mirrors. Mm. I actually want us to start looking at that buttoned up guy that wants to do things the right way all the time as being the people we should be with. And when it comes to uh, athletes, we look at our other peers. We look at, a, let's say I look at a guy like Jason Taylor in the locker room and I see that he has a Lamborghini. Automatically in my mind, I think he's great with his money because he has a Lamborghini, because he has it, he's done it. He's, he has the appearance of what I want. And that is so further from the truth And that's where we get in trouble. We don't know what it looks like. So number one, we've got to do a better job, especially I think the leagues have to, and it's no knock against the mom and pop institutions when it comes to finances. I think it's a little different from an agency perspective. But for financial institutions, I believe athletes need to be at reputable firms places where there's checks and balances. Yes, there are going to be some mistakes that may happen, but what happens is a firm like UBS who has reputational risk, will look at that situation and try to rectify it. Because if uh, Devin McCordy starts screaming at the top of his lung on social media that someone at that firm is messing with my money, the firm looks at that as bad for business. Oh yeah. Now a mom and pop store, they're going to say, you know what? We're going to file bankruptcy. We're going to close shop in D.C. Next week, we're going to change our name and open up shop in Arizona and do it all over again. Right. And we've got to start looking at our representation as we look at our careers. How can you be a Pro Bowl athlete, but you have a practice squad financial advisor? have mm. got to match and... Um, the problem, though, is we, we just don't know um, where to look. So what I did, yeah, I went back to school. You
1: I got my understood.
0: MBA. Yeah. I went, got my MBA. Just so I can understand the jargon that financial advisors speak in. Just now, so I did know the you right do right this, question. Did
1: you do this after the NFL or while yeah. you were still playing? Okay. By, by my last year, when I knew right. I was transitioning out. He's going, uh-oh, I feel like this might be it. Time to start transitioning through. Yeah, you know, what? I was like,
0: uh, someone was asking me, yeah, we're going to charge you, you know, this amount of basis points on your, on your, on, on, on the fee. These are going to be the fees we're going to charge. Here's what we're charging. I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, basis points. Like, what the, what the hell does that mean? And I looked it up. It was one of the most basic, fundamental things of finance. And I knew nothing of it. And I got millions out of the bank. So what I'm thinking is like, I'm risk- For that moment, I knew I'd I've, I've been so lucky, I was, I'm risking my money, not knowing. Went back to school, got educated so I could ask the right questions from advisors. You ask the right questions, you scare people away. So that's going to be my first line well, of you Well, you ask the right questions. You scare the wrong people away. The wrong people away. Yes, exactly. And that was going to be my intention of going to, going back to school. I just wanted to know I can say the right things. And people go, wait, you know what? I can't screw with this guy's money. Um, and then I realized that there's a greater opportunity that we can have here if we start educating um, our athletes on financial
1: education and, you know, how to look for a good financial advisor. Oh, that's that's beautiful so you mentioned jason taylor when you see the lamborghini that's such another pitfall that all you guys have to deal with Mm. because okay now i'm not maybe i got over the survivor's guilt or the the windfall guilt or whatever you want to call it and i'm I'm being okay with my money but my buddy in the locker room is now driving a lamborghini and oh i don't realize that his paycheck is still five times bigger than my paycheck but it's trying to, then you have to do the other thing, keeping up with the Joneses, right? So the guy that's on the making the minimum salary of four or 500 a year or a million a year versus the guy that's making 10 million a year while he's driving a Lambo, I better pull up in something sharp too. Or I don't want to be that, right? And yeah. then it becomes not only taking care of the family issue. But this, this reputation, this ego, this, this thing that drives us to spend money like it's water, we had so many clients, we put them with great rep, uh, representation when it came to financial advisors. And they were living paycheck to paycheck, making 500 to a million dollars a year. in, in a, like I said, in a 17 week season, and they were living paycheck to paycheck. And at the end of the day, no matter how good the financial advisor is with their advice, as you know, it's ultimately the player's money and the player's decision on how he wants to spend it. Yeah. So how do you deal with keeping up with the Joneses stuff?
0: You know, and I learned early on, I had, um, dang, I keep bringing up the story. There was a, a friend who was a high draft pick, and I got to be careful because I, I keep bringing this up. And people are going to start going back and realizing, who was it, who was it? <laughs> there was a friend who was a, uh, had a high draft pick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm an undrafted free agent. After his, he had a a huge signing bonus, first year. After his first year, he asked me for a loan. My signing bonus was $5,000,
1: right?
0: Enough enough to put a down down. payment on a Ford, I think I had a Ford Explorer. And that was just enough for that. And I had saved enough money where, like you said, he spent all his money leaving check to check and he was waiting for the season to start again, to start getting checks again. And that's where I realized like, it's really not how much you make, it's how much you spend and how much you save. And that's where athletes have to do a better job of, like you said, understanding really what their finances are. You can have the best financial advisors in the world. If you don't listen, it doesn't matter.
1: Exactly. And it's what advisors so
0: need to do, advisors need to do more of is fire clients. They need to fire these guys. Like mm-hmm. if, if an advisor has a client that's not listening, fire his butt and let him go somewhere else and and, and and realize that you were probably the best thing to happen to him. Instead of sitting there and allowing him to go bankrupt. Because at the end of the day, that's your reputation. If think if financial advisors stop being fans and really said, you know what, you don't want to listen, I'm letting you go. Because no one tells no to these guys. No one tells them this stuff. No one's honest with them, especially the suit and tie guys. They're like, yes, sir, yes, sir, we'll do it like that. We need
1: to change that that mentality. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing sadder to me than seeing guys like Antoine Walker, who played for the Celtics, or Vin Baker, or William the Refrigerator Perry, Vince Young, these guys that reportedly, again, these are all allegedly, but reportedly have millions antoine walker a hundred million dollar contract and to have nothing left two years after retirement i mean when you see that well a when you see that people don't understand what we're saying this is a hundred million dollars that's gone what does that do to your insides oh man i mean the same thing as probably
0: does to you like a hundred million um, I, I know for a fact, you know, it's so funny. I actually sat down with Anton Walker a couple of weeks ago and we talked about this. And I'm not even sure he understood how, how how where it all went. It wasn't all spent on him. You know, he had advisors giving him advice too.
1: Sure. But
0: the end of the day. When he
1: sits down with you, real quick, sorry. Yeah, he sits on. down, you're sitting, you're sitting with him, and you're looking at this man in the eye the level of sadness that you have to be feeling for this person, it's gotta be overwhelming. You
0: know, it is, it's just a level of why weren't there anyone really there to, 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 to help? Where was the owners? Where was the agents? Why did everyone get their fair share? He's probably made a lot of people rich. Mm-hmm. And when it comes time to have a frank conversation with him, where did all these people go? The reason why it gives me a, a little more peace at heart is that I think he's on a path of redemption. But what's sad is that we shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like You've got examples like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, people who have done it the right way.
1: How about Um, Edger and James, as you mentioned in your
0: in your white paper? Amazing, like that's why it was one of the guys where you can't uh, judge a book by its cover. Mm. He has taught me before I even. He's the kind of guy who got me into a place where I started to compete with my finances. Like, how can I be better every year? Same way I was better in football every year, and. He was to a point where he's like, "Well like, you've got to get to a point where you're making a certain amount of money every year, even if you're just sitting on your butt. Your investments, safe. And I loved his approach of how he looked at things. But the problem is we don't uplift Guys like that a lot of times. Like we 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 dwell on the Mike Tyson's losing three hundred million. We dwell on the Antoine Walkers. We need to uplift guys like the Edwin James of the world. See how amazing uh, LeBron James is doing. I've Um, heard
1: even guy like Marshawn Lynch. Oh man, even better. He like he doesn't. He supposedly he hasn't spent a whole lot of any anything he's made. Even that little that that little you know uh,
0: analogy he made about chickens and eggs. Like that was such a. <laughs> a great like everyone at the bank was like, "Wow! That, like we need to take advice from Marshall on how to have conversations about money, chickens and eggs, and hat like growing them and protect your eggs. Like well, uh, ding, ding, ding! Like let's start having these real conversations with people that um, are successful,
1: but also from hey, the hey, late. you don't need the finest chocolates when you can go just get a bag of Skittles. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> It's, it's, but you know what? It's like that is the perfect analogy with these guys. Yes. You yep. know, it's yep. it's the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the Edron James thing, like you said, don't judge a book by its cover. I saw him giving his uh, Hall of Fame speech, and I didn't know that he was financially sound with his money like that. Mm-hmm. And that I was thinking that. I was thinking, does this man have anything left? And I'm so mm-hmm. happy to hear
0: what yeah, he's man. done,
1: and he's got the the foundation, and and you've helped, real you helped estate, him. Real with- estate,
0: commercials, real estate, like he's a like he's a mogul. Like he makes so much money off of his investments by just being sound and smart. Mm. Um, and now this Hall of Fame thing is just gonna like it's gonna take him over the top. Like like he's gonna be the person where in a couple years you'll see like he's become like a part owner of NFL team. And like now he's like, a UBS
1: client. No, um
0: he's not. okay. He, well uh, even if he was i couldn't tell you oh okay, okay. Client confidentiality uh, but he is a we can say he's a great friend of the firm um cannot uh so when i say no i mean i can't
1: express you can't, it to you either. can't explain i understand fair enough fair enough yeah yeah when you see stuff well that's the thing most athletes are given such golden opportunities to see like 80% of them or whatever the number is, be broke within a year or two after uh, their career is over is so devastating. And now not only are they dealing with the emotional decline because now they, they've lost all the money that they were making, they also have to deal with the emotional decline of the bright lights are gone,
0: the mm. fans aren't
1: screaming my name anymore, nobody really cares about me anymore. Sure. I can't get that rush that high of, of uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. and all this stuff I got to figure out how to like that also I think is not talked enough uh, about enough Wale and you know well, I, I, I agree you probably experienced some of that I agree I think I think
0: you just hit on a great point and if we start having a discussion of really the truth okay the truth the truth you're not going to most nine, 99% of you're not going to be a Tom Brady 99% of the time, you're actually not going to be a Wale or Gumi. You're not going to play 11 years in the NFL. When you retire from the NFL, you're going to have to find another job. Bottom line. When you retire from the NFL, even if you're, even if you're secure in your finances, you're going to be in your 30s, you still have to find something to do. If we start having this conversation early on, Number one, people are gonna be prepared for uh, when the checks, those big checks stop coming in. And then two, we're gonna be prepared where the 15 minutes of fame and the adulation wear off.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: gonna see depression in athletes and entertainers go down. You're gonna see divorce rates uh, go down also. You're gonna see fam- like what marriages being able to last uh, when you retire from the NFL. Because a lot of times, your psyche. You think my spouse is with me because I'm a star player or these fans love me only because I'm a star player. And when you take that away, for a lot of these men, that's all they ever thought about their whole lives. But if we start having a discussion early on that you only got 15 minutes, and after those 15 minutes, we got to find something else. Even if it's just to, to, to take up some of your time, it's going to be great for our mental health. But then also, too, is going to be great for our finances because we understand that the money that we made, 50% went to taxes, and that money is supposed to last for the rest of your life. Chance of that happening, if you didn't play a long career, slim to none. So let's get another career and let's get something else to do. And I think those conversations need to start happening so that we can fix some of the issues that a lot of athletes are having post-retirement
1: and some of the financial issues that athletes are having post-retirement. That is beautiful, man. Honestly, that should be the first thing that these guys are instilled in their heads. And it has to be repetitive too, every month, every quarter, every year. Hey, this is 15 minutes. Whether that 15 minutes is two years or, or 15 years, this yep. is still 15 minutes in the course of a lifetime. Yep. And you better be prepared to go out and, and bust your ass and do as, as good as you can on the field or on the court. But be ready and start thinking about what comes after this now, because we don't know how long this now is going to last. Absolutely. And even if it's great and it's 11 years like Wale, and you mm-hmm. do make that two and three year, second and third contract, there still needs to be a second act. It has to be, it has to be. It's because I tell like my, my sister, she's a medical doctor
0: and she can make mistakes financially because she's going to do this forever. She can, you know, she's like, hey, you know what? All right, you know, I wasn't really great with my, with my spending this year. But, you know, I'm going to have the same salary and maybe make more next year and then the next mm-hmm. year. And then, and then until she's retired, she's going to make that money. Right. Uh, we can't have that same mentality. This is it.
1: Um, So we need to start thinking long-term. So true. So true. So anyone that wants to work with you, your firm, how do they get in touch? Where where should they go online?
0: Number one, first, uh, you can follow me um, anywhere, but I would say ubs.com forward slash legacy. You can see all the content we've created. Um, you can shoot me an email there at any point of time, get in contact with me and my team. Really our, our goal is to um, raise the bar for the industry. It's never gonna be a numbers game with us. It's not for me personally. It's not about solicitation and selling things. It's about how can we get you the right answers? How can we get you the right questions to ask and the resources to make you um, the best at what you need to be off the court off the field. Um, I've been there, I've done it um, I, like, like we've talked about I, I've, I had a great career, made you know a decent amount of money and this is my, this is my second this is my second uh, swing at this, right? And I want to figure out how my guilt uh, how do I channel this in the right place And this is how I got here at UBS of saying, you know what I'm not even sure I deserve all that money that I have. Here's how I think I can give back, and and, and what I'm doing with my second career is it is is addressing my own issues with the success that I had, and um and 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 be positive with um, my feelings.
1: That's fantastic, and we'll link you up in the show notes, Wale. Uh, so anyone that wants to connect with you, click on the link in the show notes, and you can find him there. Last question for you: uh, best player you ever played with in the NFL? One one now. Wow. I'm gonna wow that's tough. It's either gonna I probably would have
0: to say Lance Briggs. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'd say Lance Briggs. I played with some I played with Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, Pastor Tan, Sam Madison, Junior Sayao, um, Erlacher, Tommy right. Harris, Peanut Tillman, Alex Brown. I played with some amazing players, but I just I marvel at the way Lance played played football
1: got like, about he, him, like, he, yeah, he
0: was a beast. He never missed tackles. Um, wasn't the, the the best shaped guy ever, but um, don't know how he was able to get some of that semi fat moving the way he did.
1: But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was amazing. He was oh, amazing. that's awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, listen, thanks for the insight and uh, continued success to you and your company. Thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, anytime, please, I- I'd love to come back. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps wherever you may be listening. Please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast. And we will see you next time.